0: When we want to live this out in our lives, it, it means that whenever grace is on the table, somebody's going to bleed. And when we live in grace towards other people, we have to bleed.
1: You just heard Hetty Britt speaking about God's grace and how she learned to receive that grace through incredible lessons God taught her when climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Graham, the concept of grace can sometimes be a difficult one for us to grasp. You
2: know, Alison, I think in our Christian journey, one of the most important things, and I think sometimes a, a challenging thing for us to learn, is this this balancing of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And actually I heard one person once say it's actually not a balance because God is all grace and all truth. But mm-hmm. when we don't get that right and we, we can quite easily lean one way towards a more legalistic frame or sometimes we misunderstand grace Mm -hmm. um, and it can turn into something like Mm licentiousness. And so our our guest today is going to help us navigate these waters based on uh, having learned through difficult circumstances and understood, I think, God's grace in an amazing way.
1: Yes, we are so privileged to have Hetty Brits in studio with us today. Hetty is married to gospel singer and music producer Louis Britz, and they have three children. She has presented seminars across the country as well as internationally in churches, schools, and corporate surroundings on a variety of topics related to Christian parenting and education. But today we are going to talk to Hetty about lessons she learned on a climb against human trafficking. Hetty, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so privileged
0: to be back.
2: Welcome, Heti. Hi,
0: Graham.
2: Well, Heti, I know that you've written this book, and I'm I'm afraid it is only available in Afrikaans at the moment, but I'm sure (laughs) you'll be working on the translation. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) And it's The Ten Commandments of Grace. And as I understand, this story and these principles came out of lessons learnt on this journey prior to and then this freedom climb that you did on Kilimanjaro and so we're, we're really privileged to have you to share some of the, the experience and not just, it's not just for the sake of hearing your story but I think gaining the understanding that you've gained of God's grace and helping us to to fathom his incredible grace mm-hmm. through hearing some of the struggles that you went through and some of the lessons that you learned on your journey. And so I know from my my translation of your Afrikaans commandments of grace, <laughs> we won't get through all all 10 of them, but one of them says the law loves the strong and grace favors the weak. Where did that come from? Tell us about uh, the story on Kilimanjaro that helped you learn that principle.
0: I think that principle is only possible uh, to learn when we are weak And I wish I had learned that principle earlier in my life I wish I didn't have to go past the 40 year mark To learn that one And it may sound strange But I'm so glad That the, that God had the grace To m- allow me to be as weak As I was on that mountain mm. Because it was the weakest And the sickest I'd ever been in my entire life One would think I mean a lot of people know our history And would think that when we had our robbery in, in our home in 2010, that that would have been the worst thing that ever happened to me and maybe the toughest thing uh, being raped that night and working through all of those issues. But honestly, because God's grace was just so amazing that night and he really held us high almost above the circumstances, I really never broke <laughs> until... Kilimanjaro. And
2: give us a little bit, I I jumped ahead maybe in in launching into one of the commandments. Tell us a bit about why you did Kilimanjaro and, and the background to that climb.
0: Yes. I was invited by a lady of OM, operation mobilization who initiated this project called the freedom climb that's now known as the freedom challenge and doesn't only do mountain climbs but other exciting adventures as well to raise funds and awareness for human trafficking and I was invited because she felt that coming out of that experience I may have a soft spot for women or abused, study and children and men too mm-hmm. and So I was invited to be a sort of a spokesperson and to climb with them. And I went into the climb very cocky, thinking... Mm -hmm. I am healed, I am whole, I am free, I have no bitterness or brokenness. So I'm not climbing for myself or to learn anything or to grow. I'm climbing for other women. And the night before the climb, as I was sitting in my mosquito net at the foot of the mountain, nervous and sleepless, um, I really had the sense that the Lord said, you actually need this climb personally. And you need to put down the law and you need to pick up. Ten Commandments of Grace, the same way I, I called Moses up the mountain. You, you have a similar journey that you need just for yourself to, to really learn grace. And I I remember how I actually inwardly thought, Lord, I know grace. I, I've experienced so much of it. And I've also learned to give it on the journey that we've been through to forgive and to give grace. But that specific commandment you mentioned the one where the law loves only the strong i was still operating in that space because i was strong even through that experience by god's grace (laughs) but i was strong and didn't ever really need the grace that only comes to the person who's completely out of it and how how it happened was that on you know a few days into this journey the fresh water supply is done for and now there's this issue with altitude If you, I mean, we all know that at sea level, water boils at 100 degrees. But the higher up you go, the cooler the boiling point becomes. So what you essentially have is you can boil water, but it doesn't kill what's in there. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened on that mountain is that on day three, I uh, I forgot to put water purification tablets in my water, drank probably four or five liters of contaminated water and got violently ill mm-hmm. and that extreme diarrhea along with the exhaustion that you already have and adding to that out of the three nights only half a night of sleep mm-hmm. I was just absolutely finished and um, I I do have an issue with concentration, I normally do take medication for it <laughs> so so the combination of just altitude sickness and not well not altitude sickness but the altitude in this tummy bug and then just not being able to concentrate at all made me the dependent person on the team i made my team late i had to be helped i had to be told what to wear and not what how to wash myself and when to to eat and you were not um, the strong one not at all and and i wasn't used to that because i'm the one up front going when are you coming (laughs) let's hurry it up and it it came to a point where the diarrhea was so bad that I couldn't always make it to the long drop on time Mm. and I was smelling bad had no clean dose Mm. and literally when people opened their backpacks to eat I would stand to one side out of respect (laughs) and just that sense of I am not good enough to even stand with anybody Mm. is something that I had no reference of in my in my life but I in In those moments, I thought of all of these people who get that vibe from us, who call ourselves Christians and church people. We say you know the the divorces the the pregnant teens the mm the addicts Mm -hmm. um, that guy who watches porn this lady who swears this one who smokes we we just have this whole category of so-called smelly people Mm -hmm. that when we eat our spiritual food we prefer that they just stand off to one side Mm -hmm. and for the first time in my life I was that person who was just not fit for (laughs) for decent company and it was devastating and and really really humiliating Mm -hmm. and uh the phrase I read in the book, What's So Amazing About Grace, by Yancey, mm-hmm. um, came to mind where he said, grace like water always flows to the lowest point. Okay. And, and I was at my very lowest point mm-hmm. and I felt such grace. It was so amazing for me to experience just that the lord is so near Mm. um our response is you move away from the weak and the dirty ones as far as you possibly can because they're going to contaminate you don't mix with them Mm. don't touch them and it's so the opposite of what Jesus did. Mm. Um, he went towards the smelly ones and the dirty ones. We run away. But mm. that instinct of of wanting to cover myself and it was literally a, a plateau that we were on. It's the stretch of the journey where you walk from Mawenzi Peak, which is a small peak to the one side, over what they call the saddle to the mm. peak Kibo Peak that we know as Kilimanjaro, the, the one that's on the pictures. Mm. But you, you trek across this desert like plateau and there's nothing to hide behind so my options were who sees me from the front and who sees me from the back when I had to make all these trips because my tummy was upside down and in that very helpless space I felt God's grace cover me in a way I I just couldn't describe it. It was as though it really didn't matter because he knew who I was and it really didn't matter what people felt or smelt or thought um, about me anymore.
2: Did you immediately make the connection in terms of, you know, you said how we sometimes, eating our spiritual food, want to step away from the, the smelly people, inverted commas, those that we would deem not as worthy as we are was that something that only on down the mountain you started to ponder over or did you start to be challenged in those areas even while you were in the midst of re- feeling this grace that God was extending to you?
0: I, I actually realized that the night before already uh-huh. when I was making these trips to the Long Drop. And I mean, in the dead of night, you could say under the cover of darkness still when I went into this this Long Drop, I started cleaning up. Um, because there's this little slit in the floor. Everybody knows what these things look like. And yes. I was scooting everything into this slit that didn't belong there, mm. thinking, you know, how can people be so disgusting? And, <laughs> and, and I had cleaned everything up, and then I left... And the Lord just challenged me and said, you don't clean up like this because you are a servant or because you are humble enough to clean up after other people. You clean up like this because you're so embarrassed that maybe you step out of this loo and somebody sees you and thinks it's your mess. It's Mm -hmm. all still about you. Mm -hmm. It's about you looking good, you not being judged. Mm -hmm. And, And then as I was walking back to my tent, pondering this, I realized that a lot of people... Are treated as though they should just be kicked into the slit, so that you know nobody thinks they 're my people or my friends or anybody I associate with, so we don 't just judge sin, we really do judge people, and we really do uh, treat them as as unacceptable mm. and it, it is just such a shocking thing for me how we are able to do that when Jesus clearly had the biggest problem with the religious people and not with the sinners he had the biggest problem with the ones who who kept cleaning the outside yeah, <laughs> and forgetting yeah. about the inside yeah, the um, so now the i tombs. did i did think about myself quite a bit because i have i have ended friendships because i didn't want to be associated with people i have steered away from certain company because i felt it reflected on me hmm. and and that very vivid illustration in that long drop made me realize mm. I I do not live in grace towards other people, and it's mm. probably because we think we can by pointing out their sin get them to you know come right mm. and uh, snap out of it and mm. shape up, um, and it's because we don't understand that that the law cannot do that. The law has never been able to whip people into shape. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One of your other points was that the the law insists we all carry the same load, but grace is tailor made.
0: <laughs> yes, we. Um, I, I love Venus. It's something about my personality <laughs> that. But I think we all do kind of want want everybody to suffer equally hard. And that was what was going on on the mountain. Is on the last night, especially, it was very strict. There were very strict weight limits on what you can have your porters carry and we because we we were climbing against human trafficking had a sort of a pact that we would never over you know load these yeah. these people carrying our yeah. stuff so we had to weigh our luggage and from day one I had this uneasiness because there were people who were cheating and I could tell <laughs> and there were people who were sneaking stuff from their own personal bag back into the big bag that they've Porters were carrying, you know, and I was upset about this, and and determined not to be, you know, as you know, vile as, <laughs> as people who did that. And and then on the night, not no, it's, it's not just, fair. It's not fair. You carry your own load, and it's the yeah, law. It's yeah. a decision we made. So on the night, we were all out of shape. On the last night, we were summiting, and and it's pitch dark, and it's uh, the air is so thin. You just you can barely move. And a lot of us were sick. Mm. Um, some really had altitude sickness. Some were coughing. Some were vomiting. Mm. Um, I was still doing the drill all the time, tummy upside down, and we were just out of it. And I noticed that not everybody was carrying their backpacks anymore, mm. and had handed the bags that they were supposed to personally carry to the to the porters. Mm. And the porters were even offering to carry people's bags. And I was really complain to the Lord about this. I was feeling like it's clear that I'm the worst off at the moment because <laughs> I felt very sorry for myself. And uh, the other people are being helped, and it's just not right. And yeah. I wanted everything to be fair. And in, in that situation, um, the Lord drew my attention to a young girl. Um, she was 19 at the time. And she was sobbing, and she was holding on to the the belt of one of the porters walking in front of her, and mm-hmm. she didn't have the strength to even keep mm-hmm. her shoulders and her head up. She was leaning on her own arms, holding onto his pants, mm-hmm. and the other porter was holding onto her hips, keeping her upright from the from behind. And they were, and and I had the sense of the Lord saying, "Would you?" Put a backpack on her back. With, with, yeah. Is that what you would like to do if you want everything to be so fair? Would that fair. be fair? Yeah. That would be fair. And then my fellow climber was climbing with an invisible burden, which I knew about because she told me before the climb started that she was carrying mm. an enormous amount of guilt and sadness mm. um, because of a, a child who, who nearly drowned, in her care and was disabled and and had just recently passed you know she had raised this severely handicapped son of hers mm. and all that hardship and that mm. that blame that she still had um you know was there something she could have done about it she was carrying that and, uh, mm. and it was as though the lord said would you want to trade mm. Maybe give your backpack and carry that. And just that realization that uh, we do carry different burdens and it'll never seem fair. Mm. But grace equips us each to carry what we need to carry. And we cannot look at other people and even understand what they are carrying, let alone start judging who should have a heavier load and who should, who should. Get more help and and we even sometimes look at God and say, "'How can you have someone carry something so heavy? Um, mm-hmm. but grace is that ability to carry uh, whatever god God gives us, and it won 't be the, the same. same as anybody else 's
2: The Lord demands the blood of the guilty, grace comes from the blood of the innocent. <laughs> I think we know what that means, but explain that for us
0: yeah it 's so difficult for us to um, to even imagine. That somebody else's blood could atone for us because yeah. for us it's the the guilty person who needs to suffer and um yeah. on on the mountain after summiting, I really physically didn't even have the strength to go down the mountain. There was just no way I could last long enough and long enough to get down my knees mm-hmm. have always been a problem by then it was just not working anymore <laughs> and my porter said there is no way you can walk down the mountain. I'm going to run you down the mountain. And he he had me hooking my arm with his, and um, we were shoulder to shoulder, and he told me to close my eyes. So... And, and we're just going to run down the mountain and I don't need to see what's at the bottom. I just need to kind of lift my knees and trust him. And it must have been so tough because he was carrying four bags already. And now he's kind of yes, kind of carrying <laughs> and, and running me down this mountain. And all of us who made it um, to the top and, and down alive, all of us did that on this sweat of these men. They carried some of us, they carried our load and we climbed Kilimanjaro, we conquered the mountain, (laughs) but really it wasn't our blood, it really was the blood (laughs) of the innocent. It was, you know, it was uh, the price people pay who who really, really don't need to. And um, Mm -hmm. when we want to live this out in our lives, it it means that whenever grace is on the table, somebody's going to bleed. And when we live in grace towards other people, we have to bleed. And that's a choice we need to make because the law says it's your fault, so you have to apologize. You bleed. Um, and grace says it's your fault, but I want to restore this relationship, so I'll bleed. Yeah. Uh, I will keep all of my accusations and all of my evidence that you were wrong. I'll keep it <laughs> to myself, and I'll, I'll put it at the cross, and yeah. I'll bleed. I'll be the, the selfless one because there's absolutely no way we can forgive without blood. That is why Jesus had to bleed. God didn't just say, okay, I'll just let people go. Sin is not a big deal. I'll just forget about it. Even with God, there had to be blood before we could be forgiven. And if we ultimately say, I don't want to live under the law anymore. It's a crushing burden. It separates me from people. I don't want to be judgmental anymore. I don't want to I don't want to live in this. Focus on everything that's wrong. I want to to live like Jesus did. Then we choose to bleed mm. the way he chose to, and uh, we know what it means figuratively. It means I have to, I have to crucify myself mm. and and my rights, and then there can be grace for others.
2: How would you say? That this experience has changed you. I mean, you've written an, an entire book and a lot of principles that that you've learnt. And but if you had to summarise that, having been down mm. the mountain now for some time, how has it reframed your life, having this greater revelation of grace?
0: It's really made my life easier. Um, it started with me being easy on myself. Um, mm. I am very driven by nature. But up until that point, I was a person who couldn't go to sleep until all of my emails are answered, all of my work's done. Uh, I, I literally couldn't stop working. Mm-hmm. And and that's the curse of the law is you mm-hmm. can never stop. You have to work. work mm-hmm. <laughs> quick, quick, quick. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I can now rest mm-hmm. without shame, without feeling guilty. It's still something I need to remind myself every now and then. But the people working with me were confused after the strip. They thought I was depressed yeah, because yeah. I would watch two movies back to back, and I think, oh man, something's, something's wrong, wrong with her. Yeah. But it was because I had entered that place of rest and knowing that it's not all about. What I'm doing, it's about who I am becoming. Mm-hmm. And I started treating the people around me with more grace, understanding that they too are only human and I, I cannot see their burdens and mm-hmm. I cannot judge whether they I should be expecting more of them or whether they should be doing better. And I believe that the law loves only the strong but that grace favors the weak so when I look at people and, I, and they seem weak to me <laughs> then uh-huh. I know they are the most deserving yeah. of grace
2: mm. Hetty Brits, author of the Afrikaans book Ten Gebuia van Genade Moi, <laughs> Ten Commandments of Grace, thank you so much for being with us and really going into some of these very important issues of understanding God's grace
0: thank you
1: I love that God, who is so kind to us and who is constantly refining us, knows exactly when we'll be most open to receive and to learn. And for us, this can often mean that we're caught off guard, uh, and therefore the lessons seem painful or uncomfortable, like Hetty's mountain climb experience. But we do know that our Heavenly Father is always after the very best for us. The Bible study program that Hetty has put together is called The Ten Commandments of Grace, which dives deeper into the lessons of grace that she referred to today. I also want to recommend a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Grace, which crafts a compelling and highly personal case for God, focusing on God's transforming work in the lives of men and women today. You'll find the Ten Commandments of Grace Bible Study and The Case for Grace on our website at safamily.co.za or call us on 031-716-3300. And let me say that we have caring Christian counselors here at Focus Africa. Our team here is amazing and they can help set you on a journey towards grace if you're struggling. Or if you're suffering something else, you can call 031-716-3300 or click the counseling tab on our website at safamily.co.za. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.